Welcome into the burnout. He is the SEC Network and ESPN. Peter Burns. I am Ryan. We're on the show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag for that 50% deposit match up to $1,000. MyBookie.ag. Code next round. Hello, Burnsy. Welcome to Championship Week. How are you? Um, I can't believe we're already here. And oh, again, so the fact that we had fourth and 31 in the Iron Bowl, and it's still not like one of the craziest games that we've ever seen in that that rivalry. Like we talked about it last week, like crazy stuff happens at Jordan Hare. And I'm like, clearly that can't be the case. And basically the sports gods are like, clearly you're an idiot because we're right. going to provide that to you. Clearly you do not pay attention to the sport. Yeah. Right. Uh, so let's talk about fourth and thirty-one. First of all, it created some family drama for you. I mean, you, it was not—it was not a uh, outcome that just went smoothly in the Burns household. You didn't well, just watch I, it and say, "Huh, how about that? Let's move yeah. on." I mean, so uh, you know, I've got the kids, so, so we're hanging out, we're watching the football game, and obviously, my daughter has always been a diehard Alabama fan, right? right. Mostly because I'm an LSU fan, and she wants to just upset Dad early, so I'm getting <laughs> used to it. And my son, by proxy, of course, doesn't like his sister most of the time, so he's like, I don't like Alabama, so I'll pull for LSU. So we start watching the Iron Bowl, and I'm thinking, all right. Like, let me explain what's going on. And I'm like, Alabama's a team in white. So Bo, my six-year-old daughter, she understands that. Thomas, my four-year-old son's like, all right, so the blue team is Auburn. I said, yeah, buddy. And he goes, well, I don't want Alabama to win. I want Auburn to win. Okay. I said, okay, so you pull for the blue team. So we're watching it back and forth, and they're trying to get into it. They don't really know what's going on, other than the fact that I just started losing my mind on fourth and 31. And I said, Alabama won, Alabama won. And my son just went ballistic i'm talking about like like crying as if we just told them like the 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 dog had passed away or something along those lines i mean go on to my instagram account at peter burns espn and listen before you judge it's wonderful content i might be a bad father by telling my kids that i'm going to put them on on national blast for crying but he needs to learn the lesson like you don't cry on that on, on when i got a, a video camera around just don't do it you're going to get on social media all right, so in the, in the pantheon, though, of crazy singular Southeastern Conference plays, like I, I was trying to think about that this weekend. You yeah. know, you've got um, the Lindsey Scott play in the in the Georgia in the cocktail party, right? I mean, like years right. ago. Mm-hmm. That's a normal play, just at an abnormal time, right? Right. Um, you know, you've you've got um, you've got the prayer at Jordan Hare, the tip ball in the Auburn Georgia game back in 2013, and the kick six in that kick same six. year. Yep, crazy, insane plays. I thought about, and I can't remember, it was fourth and a long, I can't remember fourth and what in that Arkansas Ole Miss play. I think it was fourth and 25, Arkansas Ole Miss that decided the West, and it went back and forth. That was a crazy one. Bluegrass Miracle. Oh, yeah. LSU, Kentucky, where Rich Morris already had the Gatorade poured on him. And sure enough, I think it was Devery Henderson that caught the pass from Arkansas. Like, that was out of control. Like, it's, it's, it's about... What events in sports and specifically plays do you remember where you were at when it happened? Exactly. Okay, like that moment, even if you don't have a dog in the fight, like yep. second and 26, I remember where I was at. Obviously, it was at the game watching it. That happens. You were with me. Yeah, no, that's right. And I mean, you literally, that? I mean, I've, I've got the photo to you. We had just me, you. I'll never yeah. forget. I was telling somebody this the other day. Uh, me, you, Marty Smith, Taylor Zarzer. Dunaway, you yeah. had just said, "Hey guys, let's get a selfie. This has been an incredible game. Let's get this memory." 
and you hold it out and you do the selfie and moments later second and 26 and we, and we've got the video of when you know it happened in the far end zone and everybody started running around the yep. the sidelines and they they literally collapsed right in front of us and I still have that video which is crazy so you'll remember that um I you know all of these great plays you can remember where you were at and fourth and 31 and you know it's going to be one of those plays in which the fact that you remember what the down and distance is for for years yep. tells you exactly what you need to know about it. Now, obviously, it carries more weight because if they end up winning a national championship, right? No doubt. No doubt. Back in 2021, Alabama, that 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 game in Jordan Hare was what 98 yard drive by Tua, four overtimes. One right, of the Bryce, Bryce Young, yeah. Bryce Young, yeah. One of the greatest yeah. games in in Alabama history, but we don't really remember it because Georgia won the title. Now, that's right. If Alabama wins the title, we'll remember fourth and thirty-one in, in the annual, in the annuals of, of one of the greatest plays in the history, or you could argue one of the worst plays in, in college football history. If it's your daughter or your son, um, yeah. So it's always going to be remembered. To your point, it's always going to be remembered in the state of Alabama. In the state of Alabama, fourth and thirty-one will never lose its meaning. So you know, in the history of the Iron Bowl, you've got the kick by Van Tiffen. You've got wrong way bow. You've got uh, the reverse by Lawyer Tillman. You've got um, the kick six. I mean, you've always got these plays that have names. They'll always have memories in this state. That play, fourth and 31, if Alabama can find a way to beat Georgia, if they go to the playoffs, if they win a national championship, then it it keeps kind of its national lore at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's zero doubt about that. And by the way, I heard people calling it the mill throw. That, that's like pretty that. good, but it, it's got to be the nightmare at Jordan here. If you're going to have the prayer at Jordan here, it has to be the nightmare at Jordan yeah. here, right? Like it's, yeah. it's the the heaven and hell, all of it. And and there's nothing more interesting. Like my two favorite things on social media after big plays like that is one, when people film the last play of the game. Like remember when Tennessee beat Alabama and you see these grown men yep. crying and yep. stuff like that. That's amazing. I love those plays. The flip side of it, the amount of Auburn fans that were like doing the selfie with themselves oh, right before, like, hey, yeah. we're going to celebrate it, we're going to yeah. rush the yeah. field and stuff like that, and silence. Uh, silence. It, it, I, it, I, I can't uh, stop watching them. Yeah, I, so, all right, so two things on that. So number one, I am skeptical of almost every single fan watching it on TV reaction video. Like those are so easy to stage. All you got to do is rewind. It's so easy to stage. I'm pretty skeptical of those, right? Yeah. Uh, so so when I see those, I'm like, mm, don't know if it's true or not. Uh, the two I like uh, on any place such as this are the sports bar reaction, like somebody that's yeah. filming in the sports bar and you get yeah, the, the whole bar going nuts or, right. or throwing stuff, you know, they're, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then then like you said, TikTok, I got, I got stuck in a wormhole on TikTok last night during the Sunday night game. It's full of what you were talking about. The Auburn students that are doing the selfie, like, you're going to see a celebrate. You're going to see a celebrate. You're gonna... And in all of them, you can hear like this distant cheer like, off of ah, the corner. Yeah, yeah, off of the corner where the Alabama fans are seated. You can hear this distant cheer off of the corner. And they're all like, you got to be kidding me. I, I mean, remember, I, I did it last year when, when, yep, in, yep. In, in Tiger Stadium when Jay Dino's had the two-point conversion of you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I want to have this. Now, think about the amount of videos that you've seen of Auburn fans being just flabbergasted or Alabama. Think about all the videos that were, that actually were created and will never see the light of day, right? Like, because how many people have it? They're like, well, I'm not going to post this. It's like me at my lowest moment of all time. I know. 
and and it's brutal. Now I will say this last thing is is you hired Hugh Freeze to do two things, right? One, you hired him to bring back a fan base that was fractured. That's been accomplished. The Iron Bowl in Jordan here was was electric. The crowd was awesome, no doubt about it. But he's brought that back. And two, you hired him to beat Nick Saban, and he's one play away, fourth and yep. thirty-one, from doing that in this first season. So, albeit it was a fairly disappointing um, season, top to bottom, there's no doubt that they're so much farther ahead of where they were under Brian Harson in year one under Hugh Freeze. It's it's night and day to me. Um, Brad Nessler is a legend and does a tremendous job. He's with CBS. That was presumably the final Iron Bowl he will ever do as uh, the rights go to your network, to ESPN, coming up soon. But he capped it off. I thought this was a perfect summation of the Iron Bowl, especially at Jordan-Hare Stadium. At the end, and this is – I've got to read it because I want to quote him directly. Yeah. As the clock hits zero, here's what Brad Nessler said. The craziest, most unbelievable final 40 seconds of football maybe you'll ever see unless you've been to the Iron Bowl. And I thought that was so perfectly done by Brad Nessler. Yeah. I mean, again, it just – it had everything. It had – I mean, go back even – you had the Coy Moore uh, muff punt when yeah. he may not even been the right person to be back there uh, when it happened. In fact, Hugh Freeze was kind of surprised that, it, you know, didn't even know who it was back there because they doubled the numbers up. You had the third and 20 with Milrow scrambling and then getting crunched for the uh, on the – on the Great play, yeah. The fourth and one, and then they decide to toss it, and then they get it, and then the bad snap, and then Milrow taking the penalty of throwing it past a line of scrimmage, and then, of course – the Gravedigger, fourth and oh. 31. And I still don't understand why they rushed two and kept the spy on Milrow. If for no other reason, I'm like, buddy, go send everybody because I can't imagine Milrow going 31 yards to the house. I, I just, you know, nope, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, it's going to keep people up at night for a long, long time. So you'll love this. So the way the post game worked, obviously, you know this uh, celebration on the field, everybody goes to the locker room. Um, I, uh, Emily Grace McWhorter, our reporter, had the Auburn locker room, regardless of what happened. I had the Alabama locker room, regardless of what happened. And, um, and Dunaway was, you know, depending on where the biggest story was, he was going to come to that one, right? Right. So, you know, obviously the biggest story becomes the Alabama locker room. So EG goes to the Auburn locker room, me and Dunaway go do Nick Saban's post game, and then we're going to do the player interviews. So in the post game, Nick Saban is asked the name of the play and says, if it had a name, I wouldn't tell you. Right. So then here comes Isaiah Bind. And of course, he's asked, name of the play. And the minute he said, oh, the play name is Gravedigger. I'm like, you have oh, got God. to be kidding me. Because I thought Milrow was asked about it as well, too. And he goes, oh, it's just a win play or really? something like that. Like, he didn't yeah. he didn't want to say what that play right. was called. And Isaiah Bond's feeling it. He's like, yeah. it's Gravedigger, bro. Yeah. When he said Gravedigger, I immediately knew, well, this play has a life of its own. I mean, it's you could have you could have called it. I thought he was going to say, "Yeah, we call it Y left banana XZ, you know, post thirty or you know something stupid like that." When he said Gravedigger, that's that you hear that that moment. I'm like, mm, that and, one's going to live still, for a while. That may or may not even be true, but I'm, you know, it would be something that lives in SEC folklore, uh, you know, folklore for, yep. forever. The fact that they called it the Gravedigger. I mean, that's an incredible name for a play. Incredible mm -hmm. name for a play. And for it to to do that, you're just like, yeah, I guess it was meant to be. Uh, we'll talk about the actual SEC championship game, which is coming up next uh, with Peter Burns, the SEC Network and ESPN. 
The show, Burnout, presented by MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Code next round gets you a 50% sign-on match up to $1,000 when you use code next round at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Also, don't forget our friends at Manscaped. they got a bunch of great products. It is a great Christmas gift idea. All the products for Manscaped, whether it's that handyman, which is the easy-to-travel-with razor, uh, they've got the beard hedger that I use all the time, keeps that beard trimmed down just right. They've got the weed whacker, takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair, and they got the lawnmower for the full body and the undercarriage. Great uh, products like the boxer shorts. Burnsy's told you he loves those. Love the great, uh, the man grooming products, all those at manscaped.com, manscaped.com. You're not going to show us your boxer shorts this week, are you? Um, no, because I'm not wearing any underwear. That's how crazy <clears throat> I was, so thank you. <clears throat> Uh, that's a lot of I information. I can see how the Manscaped thing works if you want to. If- no, that's it. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're good. I think they know it. Manscaped.com code burns. Manscaped.com code burns to get 20% off your initial order. Great time to do that with Christmas coming up. Manscaped.com code burns for 20% off. All right, let's talk about the SEC championship game. You know, in a sense, Alabama's had to do this already. Some of those veterans will remember what you talked about. That drive out of nowhere from Bryce Young, an emotional four-overtime Iron Bowl win. You everybody's celebrating that, and you got a great Georgia team on the horizon. Exact same scenario for this Alabama team. Right. And again, everybody kind of going into that, we thought, hey, that's definitely going to be Georgia. Georgia's going to beat Alabama in that game. There's no problem. And then sure enough, I remember talking to Roman Harper all week long. He goes, buddy, I'm telling you, Alabama's going to win this game. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Roman Harper. Like, what do you think? You played NFL football and college football? Like, I watch a lot of football. I'm, I'm, on, I'm talent. I'm on TV. I wear makeup. Um and I remember seeing him on the on on the fifty yard line right before the game, and he, he comes, he pulls me over, and he goes, "I'm telling you, Alabama's winning this football game." He's like, "There's just some matchups I love. I, I just got out of the locker room. I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to win it." And I'm like, "Again, you don't know what you're talking about." And sure enough, after Alabama whooped him in that game, he I mean, he just the first person, you know, instead of like coaches like run after other coaches to say hi or after the game or you know, good game. Yeah, the first yeah. person I see making a beeline to me is Roman Harper. Go, I told you, Burns, they were gonna win this ball game. And now it's chaotic, right? Because you could argue that we're going to put an end of the college football world that we know it in a four-team playoff this year, and we'll put this will be the last SEC championship game that I think will truly decide the fate of a college football playoff yep. team because yep. it, the way it's going to be set up with no East, no West, Easy no matter end. who loses this game going forward, they're still going to be in a college football playoff. There's never a world that the second best team in the SEC, right. even after another loss, is not going to make a 12-team playoff. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, best case or worst case, whatever you want to look at right now, this game in the future would be for first-round seeding. I mean, that's what this game is about. Right. And probably the winner gets a first-round bye and yeah. the loser gets a home playoff game. I mean, that's probably what we're going to have moving forward. Not a bad consolation prize, uh, especially if you're uh, at, at one of these places where you're going to get the, uh, the the box and the in the, in the uh, concessions and the parking. But this is it's everything you want it to be, and at the end of the day, it's kind of everything you don't want it to be, right? For us, the fans, it's awesome. You get to see two teams that are kind of on this collision course. Georgia's been great, of course, 29 straight regular season wins. They've had the SEC record. Um, on the flip side of it, Alabama, the, the football cockroaches that stay alive uh, somehow. And it's Kirby. It's Nick. Everything you want. But if you're the league office, you find yourself in a really weird spot right now. Because if Alabama wins this game, there's a chance that both Georgia and Alabama 
could be left out of the college football playoff, which could is be. just mind-boggling to me. But because of the way the numbers are working right now, I don't see it out of being out of the realm of possibility. So, and and, and the second line right there says play-in game question mark. Um, I see. I feel like there is zero chance, and I know this sounds absurd. Yeah, I do not think an SEC champion gets left out of a fourteen playoff. No, I just nor, don't. Nor nor would I. However, Michigan, who's a eighty-five point favorite against Iowa, in. they will be in easy. Washington, if they win, I don't. Washington, if they win, they'll be undefeated Pac-12, and, they, and the committee already loves them. They're putting they're putting Washington in. Okay, okay? so you got to yep. So then FSU with the backup quarterback, albeit Louisville's not great. If they win it, that's an undefeated power five school. Don't put it past the committee. Okay. And then what if Texas ends up winning? Uh, that, 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 your scenario right there is a problem. And so the cleanest path is either Texas for Alabama. Now Georgia win and they're in. This does not, it's not even a discussion of Georgia. Right. But no, in terms of Alabama, cleanest path for them. Is either a Texas loss or a Louisville uh, Louisville win. A Texas loss or a Florida State loss, easiest yep. path. Now you got four conference champions. Easy end. They don't even have to think twice about it. It's only about seeding at that point. Um, that's looked, the easiest path. I looked at it earlier, right now. That this is according to our. I'm I'm pulling up my my our stats from our information group right now. Okay. Chances to reach to play reach the playoff if Alabama beats Georgia. Okay. Um, right now, if um, obviously if it says Florida State, Oregon, and Texas all win, they're at a forty-six percent chance. They still have them under fifty percent if yeah. FSU wins over Louisville, Oregon beats Washington, and Texas ends up winning. And it's, it's you know again, it's it's amazing to me that that would be the case. Yeah, I, I think. See, the weird thing is, I I don't. The Oregon is – they don't really have a foundation for their argument right now. It is complete eye test with them. That team, they've, they've, uh -huh. not, beaten, they've not beaten anybody of well, substance. Oregon State's the only good team that they end up beating yep. all, all season long. All and, season long. And and then you'll have you'll have them saying they beat a Washington team that That's was right. pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, so, and so, so yeah. those are the two wins that they would have. Yeah. And, and so, to me, even though the rankings don't show it right now, I would imagine this committee views Alabama and Oregon on roughly the same level. So now you've got a Washington win or a Georgia win. So I find that a really interesting argument. I know Oregon is ranked in front of them right now. Mm -hmm. And this committee has shown they really like Oregon. They're playing eye test with Oregon and really like what they see. But when it basically comes down to one beat Georgia, one beat Washington, I would be fascinated to see what kind of decision they make there if it comes down to those two teams. I, I Again, I mean, we've already seen it right now where the committee values Alabama behind Oregon. I know. I know, but that's without a win over Georgia. That's it. But the, your lasting image would be them beating your best team. You've said and the lasting image Georgia. that you would have against Oregon is them beating the team that was ranked in the top four. I know. So I mean, I, they, they, I mean, again, I, I think I actually am more triggered of the fact of if what happens if Georgia loses on a Will Reichard hits a fifty-five yarder at, okay. at the end of regulation and Bama wins thirty-one to twenty-eight, and you mean to tell me at that point where Georgia waxed Ole Miss, they waxed Missouri, they waxed Tennessee, they played pretty damn good football the rest of the way. And their only loss is going to come into overtime or a close loss to Alabama on a neutral site, who Alabama, by the way, at that point is either a top four, top five, top six team. And they're not going to go to the college football playoff. 
that to me, I mean, if somehow, some way, Georgia loses a close game to Alabama and Georgia is out, but a undefeated FSU that barely gets by Louisville with a backup quarterback is in, I don't really want to drop the F-bomb, so I won't. But what the flip are we doing? I mean, honestly, it would not even be considered a legitimate national championship if that was the case. Yep. Uh, one of our one of our audience members today on the show said, is it this typical college football? The final year of the 14 playoff, we cannot get one chaotic Saturday, not one. Right. He said, you, he said, you watch. Next year, we'll have like 20 top five teams lose on Saturday. It'll, I mean, it'll happen next year. When there's a 12-team playoff, we don't even need the chaos. You'll have more than you count next year. Yeah, it is interesting because we've gone back and forth on that conversation this year, and I, I – I actually disagree with Doring. Doring called this one of his most enjoyable college football seasons he's ever had. And I know we've talked about it a little bit here on the burnout. I think I love every single college football season, obviously, but was it that great? Like I, I feel like what's great is all these unbelievable yeah. storylines. So we had one early with Colorado and Dion, but that that was nothing. Um Ole Miss did what they were supposed to do, which is pretty much beat everybody, but they couldn't beat yep. the big dogs. Okay. Very Penn State like. Um, all right. Jaden Daniels, an unbelievable season, but LSU wasn't a factor because their defense wasn't good. Um, two coaches ended up getting fired. We didn't really see any monster upset. I mean, what in your mind, what was the biggest upset in the SEC this year? Maybe Tennessee, Florida, looking back at it, the way that game happened, but there wasn't uh, a, you know, there wasn't an AM beating an Alabama no. or there wasn't uh Missouri upsetting Georgia or something along yeah. those lines. Like it was pretty much chalk most of the season. You know how I think most people would answer that question is New Mexico State beating Auburn. Sure. I mean and, I, and, I, that that yeah. was the biggest shocker uh, yeah. of the season. And if that's your biggest upset, you haven't really had a very turbulent season. That means yeah. most of the favorites won the games they were supposed to win, right? I mean, even you look at Oregon's loss, it came to a good Washington squad. Yep. You look at Texas, they came to an Oklahoma squad. That, probably that, game. Yep. that they probably sure as hell didn't want to play the way that Oklahoma was starting to play a little bit down the stretch. So um, I, I'm hoping that just kind of like, like rivalry weekend was, is that the college football gods have saved up all of their chaos and they're like, we're just going to sprinkle it on next gonna, Saturday. It's going to get right. And just be like, all right. Four loco, catnip, bath salts, all of it, all together. <laughs> like, here's a bunch of crazy shit that's going to happen next week. Uh, it is the burnout. He is ESPN and the SEC Network's Peter Burns. He is with us uh, every single week on the show, presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Get a 50% sign-on match up to $1,000 at MyBookie.ag when you use code next round. Also, our apparel provided by Roback.com. They have got the softest uh, hoodies, the great quarter zips, golf shirts, uh, crew necks are brand new right there at Roback.com. So are pants, and they are phenomenal. Let me just tell you that. I've worn them. Roback.com, code TNR20. Gets you 20% off your initial order. Code TNR20 at Roback.com. Another great Christmas idea. Roback.com, code TNR20. Great gift-giving season idea there at Roback.com. All right, SEC Coach of the Year. If you, if you, and you may vote, I don't know, you may vote in some, but if yep. you were to vote for SEC Coach of the Year, maybe give me what a top three, let's pretend it's a Heisman ballot. You got to go top three, one, two, and three. You would go what order for SEC Coach of the Year? Yeah, I'd go Nick Saban coming in at number three. Okay. Um, I mean, listen, you still lost to to Texas. You lost, or it felt like a loss to South Florida. 
And almost in a kind of a way you lucked into deciding that, you know, hey, Jalen Milrow is going to be our guy. And you've done a great job because I don't think it was a fantastic uh, team as we kind of thought it was going to be coming into the season. But they still found their way to Atlanta, 11-1, and one, a chance at the college football playoff. That's number three. Number two to me is, is still Kirby Smart and the job that he's done. As much talent went to the NFL, they brought Bobo and, and Carson Beck along, didn't really miss a beat despite Ladd going down and Brock going down. And, I mean, they're setting records. And, and again, the only reason why I don't have Kirby winning it is that, you know, I've almost come to expect that gold standard where my SEC coach of the year goes to traditionally guys who I didn't expect to have that year, and that's, that's drink. Uh, at Missouri, 10-win season for them. Um, I didn't expect them to be nearly that good. Cody Schrader was awesome. Him deciding to keep with Brady Cook, uh, Luther Burton, um, you know, developing him. And I think the reason why is two reasons. I'd have a drink as the coach of the year. One, um, in close games, in one-score games, 4-0, right? They they won games that arguably they shouldn't have won. And I was impressed with that. They turned Faroe Field into a great home field advantage. But maybe the most important part of it was his decision to give up play calling duties. Like that's how Drink became a head coach is because of how good of a play caller he was. And he says, no, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I'm going to you know pass these responsibilities off so that way I can be a better on-field coach. And I think that made all the difference in the world. I think that's why they were 4-0 in those one-score games. And I think that's the reason why they're on the cusp of 11-win season. He'd be my SEC coach of the year. Yeah, I think I, I, one of the reasons I asked you that, I was pretty sure you were going to go Drinkwitz. Um, I wondered where Lane Kiffin might factor in. You know, this is two out of three years now that he's brought a 10-2 and two record to Oxford, Mississippi. It's not been done before. He, he's fourth. I mean, okay. a great job by Lane. I mean, you think about, I mean, where, where that program was at, and I always feel like they're going to be the perfect team for a 12-team playoff, where I don't know if they'll always be at one of those top four seeds. But damn, if you get them in at home or you 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 got to face a Lane Kiffin offense in, in one of those big games late in December, buddy, good luck to you. Cause that is a wild card that could that could upset some apple cards for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I was curious what you would do with Saban and Kirby Smart. I could certainly make the argument this is Saban's best coaching job at Alabama. I mean, to yeah. your point, it was not an obviously championship level team there are a lot of not just a quarterback Jalen Milrow has come miles and is playing near elite level quarterback now but he had to do that at several position groups several position groups had to come a long way for him yeah but uh, again what was our ex expectation of Alabama was always to win a championship always yeah. to win a championship and so yep. again I always joke around that it should be called the the Nick Saban coach of the year award and it goes to either Saban or somebody else that year um, I would be kind of curious to see who the other coaches would vote for. Yeah, um, because, because Kirby, too, I mean, I can make that argument. You know, he's been without Brock Bauer, so maybe the best player in America. Lad McConkey has yeah. been out a lot. You know, he he's taken a quarterback that had not been a starter, and he's replaced maybe the best starting quarterback in school history, and yeah. you haven't really missed a beat at quarterback. I mean, I think Kirby is – he's done maybe his best job of coaching at Georgia, too. Yeah, I mean, again, I in in championships, in championships. I mean, that's, that, what, you that's yeah. what you have and what you expect out of those guys. So, um, again, I I think there were some great jobs on the flip side of it. I think there were some jobs that weren't very good. I mean, you could talk about you know the job that Sam Pittman did in Fayetteville, and as important was it for Drink to win every single one of those games in Columbia, it was the yeah. opposite in in Arkansas. Yep. Every time that they had a home game. 
Arkansas looked absolutely atrocious. And, um, you know, I thought maybe that might be one of the coaching changes that was going to be made in the offseason. I'm glad that Sam Pittman's going to be back one more year, gives Hunter Juracek an opportunity, say, hey, let's go try to figure it out one more time. But, man, to give that vote of confidence, to have one more game to see Ooh. if it rally the troops and to get blown out by Missouri at yeah. home, whoo, man, that's – you know, but then again, think about it. They wanted to run Mike Norvell out of FSU, and that yep. and that worked. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, different level, but remember, he had he could never beat Ohio State, and he legitimately went back to the administration and said, "Pay me less. Don't fire me. I'll take a pay cut, and let's figure this thing out." Now, of course, that you know coincides with them starting to steal signs in that investigation. But said a whole different uh, podcast, but that worked, um, and I hope it. I hope it works for for, for Pittman because I think he's great for the league, great guy. But, man, it ain't going to get easier with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, especially the way they're coming in right now, Brian. Uh, let's finish up with Peter Burns on these new hires. Mike Elko coming to Texas A&M. Jeff Levy coming to Mississippi State. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round. MyBookie.ag. Code next round. That gets you that 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000. They'll match your sign-up at 50% up to $1,000 when you use code next round at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With mybookie.ag, you can get plays for mybookie.ag there at lanceslock.com. Uh, daily packages available, weekly, monthly, full season. He's got a ton of college basketball and NBA up. And the bowl package coming soon, college football bowl package coming soon at lanceslock.com. And, of course, NFL games, all that at lanceslock.com. All right, two new hires so far in the Southeastern Conference. Mike Elko to Texas A&M, Jeff Levy to Mississippi State. Let's start with Elko to A&M, a comfortable hire. He has coached there before. He's done a nice job at Duke. Depending on what you think about what happened with Mark Stoops or any other candidate, there are some that are going to view him as not the first choice. But um, but this Elko hire is an interesting one. Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily know if that wasn't the case. I think for some people at AM, he was going to be their first choice. So this is not like, hey man, this is Tennessee back in the day trying to hire Mike Leach. Um, yeah. you know, and and. Uh, on, a, on a conference call, basically. This this is – Elko made sense. I think it was always kind of a thing in their back pocket. They wanted to shoot their shot with some other people. And ultimately, I think it it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think about the two coaches we just talked about for Coach of the Year that, that I don't think would win it, Kirby and Nick Saban. Well, guess what? They're championship-caliber coaches. They've won a title, and they're defensive-minded coaches. So as much as we get enthralled with – the Lane Kiffins of the world, and even the drinks and the offensive-minded guys, it's defensive gurus that win championships. And that's that's what they've kind of prided themselves on for AM, and um, mostly because the offense has been you know really bad. So Elko's been there. I think you have to understand College Station and understand A&M football to properly harness the power. I don't think Jimbo ever did that. It would always seem like an awkward fit. So, yeah. And Elko, I mean, think about this. Had there not been an extension, they might have made this deal two years ago to where Elko right. would have just been the defensive coach, and then he ends up taking over for Jimbo would have made kind of sense. But now he got a chance to go to Duke, understand what it's like for time management to be a, a head coach for two years, and it was a perfect training ground. So I know Aggie fans don't like the timing of it or the buyout, but it's not like they're paying for it. Boosters will. And uh, ultimately, I think they got a pretty good coach. I, I don't I don't feel like it's a home run hire, but – when you say it checks a bunch of boxes, like, yeah. And yeah. you keep um, Elijah Robinson as well, too. His former defensive line coach that the players loved, kind of like how Hugh Freeze kept caddy, you know, right. to make sure that the player's guy is on on that team. All right, so uh, 
what I'm about to say is going to sound like an insult, and I do not mean it as one. If anything, I mean it as a compliment. Uh, yep. When you hire Jeff Levy, are you hiring Lane Kiffin with less Twitter game? Um, yeah, and look at what it's done for I know, Ole Miss. That's, that's I mean, a compliment. I, that is not an insult. It kind of sounds like one, but it is not at all. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a situation where it made a whole lot of sense, and that's why one of those names, you know, Levy was always going to be a name that's looked at because of the relationship that Zach Selman saw uh, when he was over at Oklahoma, and he, I'm sure, talked to people and go, hey, you know, what about this guy? And he knew him, and, and so sure enough, um, it made sense. And you need to have something unique in you in Starkville. Leach had it, of course, with his offense. Mullen had it with his offense. You know, Joe Moorhead never really did it. Jack, Zach Arnett really didn't have it necessarily of, you know, what's what's your thing, okay? And the thing for Levy is that he's a fantastic play caller. And the fact that him and Lane are boys and they're already giving each other hell, uh, the fact that he comes from the, the, the Art Bryles kind of tree of coaching and offensive stuff, like, man, I mean, the Egg Bowl is going to be as, as, as to me, it's always one of the top rivalries that are out there, and now it's going to feel like arena football league because you're going to see a bunch of points being scored between those two. They're probably going to give each other a bunch of hell. Lane's already been doing it on Twitter, and and I'm all here for it. I actually like both of the hires here in this conference. All right, he is the uh, SEC Network and ESPN's Peter Burns. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round to get that 50% sign-on match up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag code next round. Enjoy championship week, Bernie uh, Bernsey. We'll see you next week. We will see. Are you be in Atlanta? Yes. No. I'm maybe gonna so. be there, my friend. Let's let's relive the selfie on the sideline. I uh, first ten drinks are on you. Looking forward to it. <laughs> you got it. I'll see you then. See you, bud.